Joy by Mary Catherine Morn, Parish Minister, Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Fairfax, Virginia. I once traveled to a conference for Unitarian Universalist ministers that was held in Ottawa. For various reasons, I decided to take the train. That meant leaving early, very early, and arriving in Ottawa sometime around 10 p.m. It was a long day. Nonetheless, my trip was pure delight. My first train went to Penn Station in New York City, and then I caught a second train for Montreal. That one traveled along the Hudson River for a couple of hours, and then it seemed as if the rest of New York was one beautiful lake after another. Many of the small train stations we stopped in looked like movie sets. Several industrial areas were marked by colorful and creative graffiti. There was so much to see. I took a book to read for work and a book for pleasure. I didn't touch either of them. I didn't do anything. Well, I smiled a lot. For several days after the trip, in the midst of the busyness of the conference, I felt the positive impact of traveling in such a slow and mindful way. It brought me as much joy as I've experienced in a long time. I felt a little like I had been transported to a slower time, to a place where the beauty around me could not be escaped, to a kind of attentiveness that my average day does not often hold. This happens sometimes. We find ourselves with a keener than usual sense of the beauty and goodness of life. At a recent lunch meeting, I asked several members of our congregation to describe a time when they had known joy. Several people spoke of being in the beauty of nature, others about connections with loved ones. Some described a kind of affirmation that comes from service or new learning or challenging oneself. Even those who describe the ordinary moments were talking about just this kind of keen sense of the beauty and goodness of life. I'm intentionally using the word joy rather than happiness or contentment. I'm using joy to describe what I believe is a characteristic of a life of faith in the countless expressions that a life of faith may take. I consider joy a universal attribute of full, rich, meaningful life. It's different from happiness or pleasure or fun it can be present, in fact, in spite of circumstance. Some suggest that joy in the face of dire circumstance is the only way to judge true joy. It's not an emotional quality, but a spiritual one. And like many other spiritual qualities, it is never fully realized, yet always promised. A keen sense of the beauty and goodness of life. Unitarian Universalist minister Carl Scoville, who is minister emeritus at the historic King's Chapel in Boston, describes joy as the aim of our faith. He said this in his Berry Street essay to the 1994 UUA General Assembly in Fort Worth. In his words, the great surmise says simply this, at the heart of all creation lies a good intent, a purposeful goodness from which we come 
by which we live our fullest and to which we shall at last return. Our work on earth is to explore, enjoy, and share this goodness. Neither duty nor suffering, progress nor conflict, not even survival is the aim of life, but joy, deep, abiding, uncompromised joy. There's a lot packed into Carl Scovel's concise definition of the heart of our faith. It begins with a simple statement about the nature of creation. At the heart of all there is, is goodness. That is a statement of faith. We don't know it. We can't know it. But we can live it. And Scovel says the way we live it is to explore, enjoy, and share this goodness. To make deep, abiding, uncompromised joy our aim. There are two things we must attend to in order to live this faith. First, we must be mindful of the world so we will experience again and again that abiding goodness. This is how we cultivate that keen sense of life's beauty and goodness. We can't offer a blessing if we are not open to the life that is around us. We can't bless the world if we do not attend to it. Anne Sexton writes of this kind of blessing in her poem, Welcome Morning. So while I think of it, let me paint a thank you on my palm for this God, this laughter of the morning, lest it go unspoken. The joy that isn't shared, I've heard, dies young. The second thing we must attend to is our own part of the goodness at the heart of all that is. We are not separate from this thing in which we place our faith. The power of goodness at the heart of things, whatever we call that power, is not remote, untouchable, unmoved. The power of goodness at the heart of things, on the contrary, is as close as a lover's touch. The wind on our face, the song that rises up from us. It is not only beyond us, but also between us and even within us. As the ancient Hindus wrote, do you sense the vast creative power of the universe? The power that creates all things, sustains all things, and claims them all in the end? Well, you don't have to bow down or feel insignificant because you are part of that power. You are part of the infinite and the eternal, just as you are. If this is so, as the Hindus believed, that we are part of that power, that goodness, then we must attend to our part. Albert Schweitzer says it simply, the only ones among you who will be truly happy are those who have sought and found a way to serve. Service to the good at the heart of creation is how we sustain joy in our lives, how we are faithful to that deep, abiding, uncompromising joy. So two things, mindfulness of the world around us in order to cultivate a keen sense of the goodness at the heart of things. And secondly, attention to our own part in creating and maintaining the goodness at the heart of things. Living in alignment with our faith, that is, answering goodness with goodness. Of course, 
there are a couple of significant challenges to this idea that we can cultivate joy. Sometimes we can't see the goodness around us. And, well, sometimes we can't see the goodness in us. Both of these challenges call us to a life of practice. In Tibetan Buddhism, there is a practice called tonglen. Roughly, it means sending and taking. In her book, The Places That Scare You, Buddhist teacher Pima Chodron describes how using this practice can help us in our ability to rejoice, as she says, or to find joy. Here's what she writes about that. When we encounter pain in our life, we breathe into our heart with the recognition that others also feel this. It's a way of acknowledging when we are closing down and of training ourselves to open up. When we encounter any pleasure or tenderness in our life, we cherish that and rejoice. Then we make the wish that others could also experience this delight. In a nutshell, when life is pleasant, think of others. When life is a burden, think of others. Practicing joy does not mean we never feel pain or fear or frustration. Faithfulness is not about believing that everything will always turn out okay. You may have noticed that in Carl Scovel's great surmise, he does not say that everything will always turn out fine. Of course, sometimes things go terribly wrong. Always, we live with the knowledge that we will lose people we love. My faith is not predicated on never feeling terrible grief which is a good thing. My faith is that even with all the terrible grief we must bear, even in a world where war is too often thought to be the answer, even in a world where some people believe it's okay to torture and abuse other people, even in this world, an eternal goodness lies deep at the heart of creation. And this goodness is what makes love possible. If this is our faith, then we have a great responsibility. If we believe this, we are called to attend to the beauty and goodness. And that means slowing down. It means looking deeply and compassionately. It means finding the courage to keep our hearts open, painting a thank you on our palms for the laughter of the morning or singing a song of praise. In these and other ways, we attend to the goodness at the heart of things. And then, we must attend to our part in this goodness, which means making more of it, not being tempted by violence, helping people who need help, serving something beyond ourselves, sharing what we have, protecting things that matter, transforming the world through our own acts of love and justice. In these and many other ways, we answer beauty and goodness with beauty and goodness. We do not attend to any of these things perfectly. Sometimes we are distracted and our attention drifts to the wrong things. We are sometimes afraid to open ourselves to the fullness of life. We may move too fast, thinking maybe that will save us from some anticipated pain or grief. 
There are many reasons that we let joy slip away. That's what it means to be human. And so we seek to be faithful. And to be faithful is to seek again and again to find joy, deep, abiding, uncompromising joy, which takes discipline, a keen sense that the beauty and goodness of life is fleeting. So we practice attending to the goodness that is and to our part of that goodness. The joy that isn't shared, I've heard, dies young.